podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommies. I'm Jim Boardman and as always I'm with Jay Reed as we try to have a look at what's going on with Liverpool Football Club and what's being said in and around the city of Liverpool about Liverpool Football Club and other stuff that's going on. The sort of stuff that's going on is still the same kind of stuff we've had all season really where one minute we're great, one minute we're not. It's just been hot and cold all through the season since we last did a show. We've had an absolutely abysmal game against Forest, probably one of the worst Liverpool performances I can remember seeing. And then a few days later, off we go to Amsterdam and it's like a different team turns up. And it was a different team with some changes, but the core of it's kind of the same. And these core issues don't really seem to be going away. You can't relax after a win because you're worried what's going to happen in the next game. Any idea what we can do about this, Jay? Do you think Klopp knows what he can do about this? Um, <laughs> he'd like to think so, the money he's paid <laughs> and the job he's in. Um, it's it's kind of like Takeshi's Castle, this, isn't it? Where like, you seem to be getting along a couple of good stones, then bang, we had that one that sinks into the water yeah. and all of a sudden we're drowned again. Um but, yeah, I mean, we're all scratching our head. He must be tearing his hair transplants out at this point. But <laughs> it's just one of them things. I, you know, last week we were we were full of optimism and maybe we took it for granted. Nottingham Forest, bottom of the table, promoted team, squad full of new players. Um, we were coming off two clean sheets, two good home wins. And maybe the team took it for granted. Mm. Uh, maybe Klopp took it for granted. You know, we, he made several changes. He put a couple of inexperienced players in, uh, maybe one too many in hindsight, and rested a couple of his more senior players. Um, and yeah, if you if you're not willing to to match the team that you're playing against in terms of effort and physicality in, in you know in a hard Premier League match at a at an away ground, then you know you are going to become a cropper. So. I guess we only got what we deserved, but we've seen it one too many times this season. False dawns again. Um, You know, you touched on Wednesday was a was a better performance. Obviously, a change in players, change in formation, which we'll discuss. But yeah, I think it's it's the old adage of literally taking one game at a time, and actually, nothing can be taken for granted this season because, as we've seen, it's. It's no foregone conclusion that we go out there and we just get the three points or we get the victory in whatever competition it is. Yeah, it's not a foregone conclusion. And I think that's something, though, that I think has always been the case. Like, as a Liverpool fan, it's all too easy to kind of go into a game and assume you're going to win. And it kind of winds me up sometimes at Anfield. I mean, we've, we've touched on this before that you get a game against City and it's like everyone turns up, everyone's got the voice with them and they're singing and everything's brilliant. Then, you know, a few days later, maybe a week later, a couple of weeks, whatever, you play a team lower down the table and it's like, I don't know what it is, whether it's because like, 
I don't know, people sort of don't use their own tickets as much for those games and maybe people who aren't used to come and get, get all the tickets. And I don't know what it is. They're just not the same enthusiasm as a whole. And I think we talk about Liverpool being a whole thing, like the club includes the players, it includes the fans, it includes all that history, it includes, you know, all of that sort of stuff that all comes together that makes us the force that we are or that we can be. But on games like that, and I know it was a way so that, you know, the travelling cop are never quiet, but, you know, the, the team itself just didn't seem, seem up for it. But how many of the changes, I wonder, though, were forced? Because we still seem to be having this thing with injuries this season that no one... Very few players are getting runs of games, and I don't think it's just down to Klopp thinking, right, I'll give you a rest now, I'll save you. Um, so I wonder how many were down to injuries, and I wonder how many were down maybe to preventing injuries, because the team we kind of played on Saturday, does it point to our priorities this season? Because although you feel like you've gone one, you, you had one foot in the knockout stages of the Champions League with the wins that we'd had so far in the competition, you still had a job to do against Ajax, and you know, it's if you can slip up against Forest, you can definitely slip up against Ajax. I wonder if that's also a sign of the priorities that Klopp's got now that, you know, the league's kind of out of reach. It's going to take, you know, it's a long time still to go in it as well. Maybe, you know, the thing we've got to make sure about is getting as far as we can in that Champions League. Um, as we stand, yeah, I think, you know, the, the realistic thing for this season is um, Champions League qualification for next season and we would all hope that across a 38-game season, we've got enough um, in quality in the squad to ensure that we do finish in the top four. I think, you know, on our day, as we've proven against Manchester City, we are the, the best team in the league for for whatever reason they've made that squad. Um, you know, we can't beat them. Um, yeah. We were more than a match for, you know, the high-flyers Arsenal, who seem to have won the league after 10 games. Um, only for a few refereeing and VAR decisions, we we would have come away from that game with with more than what we did actually got. Um, but the Champions League does present an opportunity a for the trophy and b should you win it to get back into the the competition next season. And under Klopp's tenure, we've made it's a three finals now. Um, obviously, we, we lost two to Madrid and we won one. Um, so we're more than a force in Europe. And yeah, um, Napoli seems to be the hipster choice at the moment and they're running away with it but I think you know for all that Fletch and Steve McMahon of them talk some tripe they were very right in what they said in commentary the other day was you know the big boys in Europe don't really come to the fore until after Christmas when it actually matters in the knockout stage and all it's really about at this point is getting through the group and we've done that with a game to spare um, we play next Tuesday against Napoli and I don't know how we approach it Personally, it's a free hit. We we rest, we rotate because following that we have got a big away game at Spurs, and you know we, we need the points on the board, and we've got the opportunity to to allow ourselves some rotation next week for us to finish top of the group. We need to beat them four nil, and is it really worth it? Because you know you, you could end up with a harder tie. In theory, the only benefit you do get is the second round of the next knockout stage is, is at home. But if we, if we can sort out a way form out, and maybe it's wearing that green kit, I'm not wearing that oil slick oh, white thing that we've, we've been done in, in this season. Maybe that's the issue. Maybe the you know the this weird mystical pattern and the sun shining off it is just a bit blaring, and we all sort of can't figure ourselves out. But this 
nice deep green one that we had on the other night, which looked lovely, um, is the answer. Maybe that's what it is. Um, <laughs> but I think it's, it, it's, it's bread and butter first. Obviously the league, we, we aim to, to finish as high as we can every year, but we all know, um, we've got a, a, a connection to the European Cup or the Champions League as it's now known. And when, when them European nights do come around, should, should Anfield be required? It, it always is. And, um, you know, why would we not want to go back to Istanbul and the Ataturk Stadium where, you know, for me and many other Liverpool fans was one of the best nights of our lives. So, you know, Klopp did say book your tickets. I'm not booking mine because I'm just a bit hesitant on that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it would be nice to go back there again and, and, and seal it because we've come close the last few years and it just seems as though, you know, we're, we're probably one European Cup short of what we actually deserve. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I say this so many times, like we learn from our mistakes, but, you know, everyone makes mistakes. We we get better from them eventually. Um, there's a lot of mistakes to learn from this season, obviously. So, yeah, we, we you know, maybe maybe this, this would you a final, would you a win in a final as well? Because, you know, as you said, one out of three, um, I think two out of four would sound much, be- much, much better. I'm just thinking, though, when you think like the team, the team against Napoli, I mean, we, we'll come on to it later, but one thing that jumps into my head is, when you say things like need to win 4-0, all that comes into my head then is like that Crystal Palace game a few years back where we needed to win by some massive amount and we ended up losing or whatever. I can't even remember. Did we lose or draw? 3-3. Um, uh, yeah. It felt like a loss though because of what you lost with it. And it's that, it's that kind of thing. It's like, ah, you know, I get the feeling it would be good, one good for like the two managers to have a chat before and then say, should we just, um, should we both put a load of kids out for this one? You know, let's see what we can do. Let's not worry too much about it because... We'll see. Um, that's what I would probably do. Um, and that kit, yeah, I mean, that, that's worth talking about. I mean, obviously, millions and millions and millions of pounds change hands for the, for these clubs to wear all these kits. And some, whatever kit company you go with, there's people in there, designers who've got all these great ideas. And there must be, all you can think of is when you see some of the kits that make it, imagine what some of the ones that got knocked back were like, because there must be some absolute horrors. But that one, I don't know. My first thought when I saw it was it's a cross between like toy money that you get in kids, um, when kids have like a little play shop thing and you get toy money for the till and it's got like toy notes. The, it's like the fakey, you know, like a fake note kind of look to it. And the other thing it reminded me of is like when someone puts the wrong top on on TV, um, you know, and it starts going all way, weird and psychedelic because they've got the wrong <laughs> top on. Either way, it just doesn't look right. Um, Another thing I noticed as well when we played Forest is that we all both had white shorts, and I'm sure a few years ago you'd have been forced to change your shorts if they were the same colour. Because in years gone by, some of the combinations Liverpool have worn, when you know before the days of having like a, a multitude of kits to choose from, I've seen like like if you played Watford, they had red shorts, yellow shirts, so we couldn't wear our yellow kit. We couldn't wear, you know, we couldn't wear the white kit because there was some clash. I can't remember what it was. So we ended up with this weird combination of like. A shirt, shorts and socks from three different kits. And it's just like a, a weird combination that we'd end up wearing. And he's, that was he's, a yellow, red and black one, wasn't it? Yeah. That combination. Yeah. And it's just, you see the, you see these old kits and you think, well, you know, as bad as that was, at least it was different colors. And I don't know. I've just got this feeling like it, obviously there was no chance of it happening in that forest game. But if someone's ass was slightly offside, how would you know? Because they've got the same colour shorts as the other one. So, um. I mean, we literally wore a full green kit the other night. Like, I don't yeah. see why we could not have wore that on Saturday. 
unless for some promo reason they were saving it for the Ajax game. Ajax playing red and white, Forrest playing red and white. Yeah, yeah. Therefore, I mean, really makes sense. I think the reason it jumps out at me, because I, I mean, I used to see Liverpool play Forrest all those years ago, and when we played them at their place, we'd be in invariably white shirts, black shorts, and that's that was our away kit at the time. And I'm sure Knight could have rustled up some black shorts or something to go with that top, but I don't know, maybe their eyes were too sore after just looking at the tops and they couldn't do the shorts colours. But yeah, that, that game against Forest, I think, I don't really want to dwell on it too much. It's just, um, we've got to talk about it, but it, I don't know what it was just from the, from the start of the game. There was just this sort of lethargy about Liverpool. Like, you know, you're up against a team that's not going to want to risk anything too often that, you know, but they, I just don't understand it. I, I've never seen a Liverpool performance so poor. Um, to the point where you start wondering what's going on. Is there some like trouble behind the scenes? And I think that's me reading too much into it, you know. But you hear about these things that you know clubs start having issues. You know, there's rifts in the dressing room and stuff. I don't think that is the case. But if we don't start pulling our socks up more, we're going to start getting those accusations because that's that is one of the few accusations that makes sense. I. I would buy into the theory there's something behind the scenes not right. Mm. Um, I mean, th- there's a big thing being made about like the lack of club doctor. Um, and he left in the summer. Now that doesn't mean a lack of club doctor leads to the amount of injuries we've got because the doctor is there probably to help with the recovery, um, and recuperation from injuries. But mm. the fact that he, he, he up and left in the summer, um, and it's openly, like speculated that we've got standings and I'm sure these people are more than qualified to do the role that, that we are asking them to require of. But yeah, like a senior club doctor maybe, you know, might help in some sort of recovery process. I don't know. I'm not trained or have the knowledge to speak of that. But the fact that he left does raise a question. Um, you know, the the theory that Pep's, Peplinder's book of intensity has led to our intensity disappearing. <laughs> um, <laughs> doesn't help that you're releasing a book saying all about our sort of coaching methods and secrets, and all of a sudden we can't seem to last 45 minutes, never mind 90 in some games. Um, and there's a lot of players who do look a bit meh, a little bit lethargic, a bit off the boil, a bit, yeah. you know, not, not quite at the races sort of thing. And, you know, I wouldn't like to think that there's a rift in the squad because I think we probably have one of the most tight-knit and most harmonious yeah. of teams. But something just doesn't seem right. Something seems a little bit askew. And, you know, you you may be looking at that for recruitment. Michael Edwards has left in the summer was the issues around recruitment and certain players that were wanted and not achieved or certain players that were offered and not actually taken up on or contract issues, the, the the money, like the Salah thing dragged on for a while. We eventually got it done. But, you know, that kind of helped that saga. So, you know, 12, 18 months ago, we, we were all standing from the rooftop saying how well Liverpool had run. But I think it doesn't take a genius to work out that there were several people calling for reinforcements, especially in the midfield area in the summer, and we were laughed at because Klopp had said, I've got eight midfielders or nine midfielders, and when a realist put them down on paper, well, three or four of them were prone to injury, two or three of them were the wrong side of 30, and two or three of them were 
wide players who were being shoehorned into the midfield category. I had Carvalho and Elliot, and they're both kids as well. So you don't you don't go down the road that we did with you know chasing too many who ended up at Real Madrid who who seemed to have the profile, age, and you know everything else to fit it, and then end up with a lad from Juventus on loan who was played half an hour for the under 20 fees and then mm. lo and behold he had an injury history and he's picked up an injury so we've never seen him again since it's it's concerning that and it's taken what two or three months into the season and a few slack midfield performances um, and injuries for the main sort of backers of Liverpool and Jürgen Klopp to come out and actually say, actually, there's a problem there. Um, and maybe now the fact that these people are in the press are openly saying we do need midfield reinforcements, that there's something going on. Um, maybe they've got the insight, I don't know. But there was more than enough people who were saying this several months ago, really, that we needed something. And I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully we get something in January because... It's it's a staring us right in the face, really. If we continue with what we've got, we're not going to get any any better. We'll just sort of limp by because it, it isn't enough, really. Yeah, and I mean, I think the thing is, like, sometimes we look for like, and especially on social media, you get it where someone looks for like they spot something that's not right, and whatever degree it's not right to, they spot it and they think, right, that is the reason. And it's never really going to ever just be one thing. It's always going to be a lot of different things that some make more of a difference than others and some can be easily fixed some can't be easily fixed you've got to work, find ways to work around it and and so on but yeah now having a club doctor does sort of lead you to think that you know was the medical done properly for the player who came in and then turned out to be injured are we looking um are we are we getting sort of proper input into what kind of training regimes players should be under when they're recovering from injuries and even you know in terms of like recovering before injuries are we preempting things i mean I'm not surprised that Liverpool are struggling to get a doctor. You know, I mean, no one can get a doctor these days, can they, in this country? But, um, but you know, oh, we can, that's a kind of way of you can open. I know. So, um, you know, because I. But then again, the government, you know, they they they've been idiots with that with the NHS. But Liverpool aren't getting a doctor off the NHS. So you'd think they'd find a way to do it. And one who's 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 a specialist in in the sports field, especially in football, if possible, someone who understands all of that and has worked in that a lot because. You know, um, there's lots of amazing doctors out there, but they all do different things. They all have different specialisms, different experiences. So you've got to get the right one. And then the other thing is if you're bringing people in on like short term basis, you know, just calling them up as and when you needed, they're coming in now and again. There's no continuity, you know, because I'm sure that every single one of the players that sees the doctor says things to the doctor that don't get written down, you know, just little things here and there. And, you know, and a decent doctor will kind of remember that. And he'll have that in mind when, when things are going on. And maybe some little niggle could have been stopped early because the doctor remembers something in a, from a conversation from months ago. So, you know, that is one of the things that needs addressing. You're right as well. I think if Pep's releasing a book that gives away all your secrets, then they're not secrets anymore, are they? And even if, even if it was kind of, I don't know, sort of, sort of, um, hidden, you know, like it wasn't every secret, if it was kind of slightly adapted just to not sort of say everything. Even so, it gives people insight that they didn't have, lets people work stuff out because, you know, there's a lot of clever people in this game who can read books and, and take things from them and use them. We've got a, you know, we've, we've, we've got to sort of not like blame all of these individual things though and sort of think there's the answer. This is the situation we're in. Get a doctor, no more books, 
work out why on earth we keep buying players who get injured? Is it something we can fix? Or is, is it us making them get injured? Are we just unlucky with who we buy? But then obviously accept that we've got players who keep getting injured and just, you know, you've got eight midfielders. How many can you use? How many of them eight midfielders are going to be sat there, you know, stood there on the training ground proving to you that they need picking this weekend? Because there's only, generally speaking, three of them are going to get a place, maybe a couple on the bench. So, you know, have we got, genuinely, has Klopp got that level of competition? I don't think so. So we've got to look at it and say, as we said before, competition so so important. Um maybe maybe it's best we don't kind of go on too long about that Forest game and maybe look ahead a couple of days later to the game against Ajax when it was a bit of a nervous feeling for me before that game because I'm thinking there's all this talk as if we've already done the job and that's a bit like the feeling we had going into the Forest game. Like we've already done the job. They're down at the bottom. We just turn up and win. We're sorted three points. Let's go home. Get ready for the ne- next game. And I feel it wasn't quite to that extent, but against Ajax, there was almost that feeling that, yeah, you only need a point. You've got this sorted. And, um, in we go. And I don't know, just early on, they, they had a chance and you start thinking, oh God, what sort of a game is this going to be? But in the end, you know, we limited them to the chances. We created plenty of our own and just got a little bit ruthless in the middle of the game. Um, although if you were listening to the BT Sport coverage, and I'm sorry for you if you did, like I had to, the, um, the miss from Nunez was like the worst miss anyone's ever made. Like it was, um, it was impossible to miss it. And in reality, he hit the post and you're talking an inch or two away from it being a goal. Why, why does Fletch just have this? I don't know. And it's, and it's a lot of the sort of TV media. Why are they sort of, do you want him to fail? And he's driving me mad. Well, if anyone's seen the Celtic game the night before, it was a far worse miss in that game <laughs> from Shakhtar. I wouldn't say far worse. It was a worse miss, not far worse. But, yeah. you know, Nunes did look like he was on the stretch. It, it, you know, nine times out of ten, they nestled in the back of the nest. But, you know, he more than made amends for it. Um, mm. across, his whole performance across the game, very impressive. Um, and his goal, he took really well. Like the header, that's not an easy header to score. Steeping down and directing it into a bottom corner. Um Four goals in his last four starts. He's outscored Gabriel Jesus in nearly half the amount of minutes, and one of them's considered a flop this season. The other one's considered one of the signings of the summer. So, <laughs> you know, media narrative has a lot to play. Um, and these spoofs who get commentary jobs, they they feed into that narrative because they're what people hear. Um, you know, let's be honest, you. You're not going to watch the game in silence because, you know, unless you've got like a, an immediate radio sort of feed and at the same time, uh, which people have done in the past, it, it doesn't really matter job or unless you want to, you know, put yourself into some sort of American commentary. But even then, um, I found myself watching something the other night and the analysis was by Robbie Earl and Danny Higginbottom. So, you know, <laughs> you, you pick your poison. Um, he, he, he has been, you know, He's been harshly treated. Yeah, we all know he had a rough start, but the quality is there. You, you can see he's got every astro- attribute, sorry, to prove a monster of a centre forward. Um, what I love most about him is his work ethic, and a lot was made of, of an occasion when he happened to be on the edge of his box and he made an interception. And 
Stevie Max going, what's he doing there? Well, <laughs> he's, he's doing the job for the team. It doesn't matter. Like, okay, maybe another player should be in that position. And, you know, if they were doing diligent tracking back, then Nunes wouldn't have to be doing that. But the lads put the effort in. He made an interception. What's the problem? <laughs> like, had he not been there, then, then the questions would be asked and the fingers would be pointed as to why there wasn't someone there to, you know, be in the way. Um, so I think he's doing nothing wrong for me. Like, we all know his touch could be better. You know, his decision-making on one or two occasions could be better. But we've got to caveat this with, this is a lad coming, a young boy from another country, doesn't speak the language, new team, new setup, new tactics. And he's slowly, slowly getting to grips, but he's doing the main job. But he's actually put on the pitch to do and score goals. So I've got no issues with that. Um, as you say, we, we, we sort of created our own problems in the Ajax game at the beginning and the midfield. To me, it looked like he was playing a diamond, but it was a bit all over the place um, in terms of where players were meant to be. And I just thought it was it was obvious really that we had to just sit in and get a grip of the game and just hold our position. And once we actually started to do that, then it became a lot easier. And the ruthlessness of, of the goals, um, Elliot's especially, um, was lovely to see because we know that that, that kid's got talent mm. um, and and he's got the ability to score goals and the fact that he's starting to get on the score sheet is, is another positive because that's one thing we've been lacking. If, if he is going to be shoehorned and classified as a midfielder in either a free or a wide midfield role, then we need goals from him um, because... I think if we're all honest with ourselves, over Klopp's tenure, the midfield have, have chipped in with a couple of goals. But when you compare to other teams, you know, and we always do look at like the likes of Manchester City or Chelsea, then they've got players like De Bruyne and Silva, Mares, who who invariably chip in with seven, eight, nine goals a season. If you look at Chelsea, they have Mason Mount who regularly gets on the score sheet. So it is nice that we can get goals in that part of the pitch because. Every goal helps, really. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, I think I saw a stat the other day from someone, I can't think where it was, and it made, so I'm, I'm, I'm sort of Probably is it just active. the assist one? Yeah, I don't know if it's true, but no midfielders have got an assist basically for forever almost. I think the last it's in the Premier League. The last Premier League assist, I think, was off the top of my head. I think it was Thiago in March. Judging from that stat, but some of the players on the list were going back to like twenty twenty. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, we do need more contributions in assists and goals in the midfield because as good as. 
Ballard is as good as, you know, the likes of Diaz, Jota, Nunes can be, and Bobby's having a bit of a revitalised season. We can't keep going to the same well and expecting the water to be there because, oh, look at what's happening to this season. We seem to be going back to that well time and time again, and it seems to have run a bit dry. Yeah, I mean, it's been good that, um, I mean, the, the assists were being hogged a lot in recent times by the two uh, full-backs. So, like, you can kind of make a bit of an allowance for the midfield is not getting them. But then the trouble is, if that's all you're doing, then teams work that out and stop it happening, don't they? So that's when your midfielders need to come in. And that's, to me, one of the ways of being a successful team, that if if a, if a team focuses on one of your or one position or whatever, the, the rest of you are ready to step in and, and, you know, and make it harder for them and make them wish they hadn't just focused on that, that other that other player or that other position or that other flank or whichever way they've gone about it. You know, they try and target something, you you make them pay for that. You you if they put too much effort in one place, you make them pay for it in somewhere else. And at times we've not got the players. I mean just some of the things about what we just said, I mean Fletch, funnily enough, um I'm not sure what day it was, but obviously this weekend there was no way I wanted to tell you on to have like anything to do with sport. I couldn't face the news because the Tories are one still dominating all of that with their own little petty squabbles amongst each other. Um what can you put on? And someone in the house took something on on Dave or something like that, which was the Red Bull soap derby from many years ago. And Fletch was doing the commentary. And he wasn't as bad at that. He wasn't as annoying at that. He was quite um impartial. So I don't know what's happened since he's got into football. But well, that's the trouble though. Even, even that after a while, I got, my God, I can't even watch this. I can't escape it. Um, the other thing as well is Steve McManaman. That's what I was going to say. So he's going on like, what's he doing there? I mean, Steve McManaman, we didn't really know where to play him when he played for us before he went off. And quite often he'd be given a free role, as they called it. He would basically start on one side of the pitch, but he wouldn't stay there and he'd get the chance to move around and play just about anywhere because he was good on the ball and he could cause problems and he would upset opposition who were like sort of drummed into sort of saying, you're this player, so you'd mark that player, you're that player, you'd mark that one and so on. So, you know, he knows what a free role is like. But on on top of that as well, he also knows what plays like Ian Rush in days gone by. And even say Mo Salah and Sadio Mane in more recent years, you know, they, they, they can smell danger. They can see an issue and they've got the pace on them. So why not get back and help out if it, if it helps? Um, you know, it's, it, it's how it is. That, that's what we do. And that really with Nunez makes me think that he has got so much more to his game, hasn't he, than what people think? Because in truth, you can get a cross into him from the flank. And he, you know, there's a very good chance he's going to get that headed into the back of the net. And that's a thing that maybe we didn't have with the previous plays we had at the team. You know, we couldn't sort of use that tactic as much. But the idea that that's all he's going to be able to do, I don't, I don't agree. I think there's so much more to him. There's so much more to his play, not just when we've, you know, when we've not got the ball, when we have got the ball, getting into positions. And as you say, you know, he can make the wrong decisions sometimes. He will sometimes maybe take a shot when maybe it wasn't really on, um, but you know, it's, it's going I, I like on the target, fact that he you know? can create his own shots, though. Yeah, like the West Ham game last week was it three or four chances off the cuff that he created himself, and like, the old adage: if you don't buy a ticket, you don't win the lottery. Like, yeah. Surely, if you keep having enough shots, we'll have we'll go in. And the fact is, he doesn't seem to be wasting them. They all go on target. Or the majority of do go on target. Um, so 
you know, a, a shot on target, from, say from the right hand side of the box or the left hand side of the box, and a keeper parries it, then someone who, like Mo Salah can be alive to, yeah. you know, potentially a tap in. Like, you, you can't always score the perfect goal. You can't always, you know, play it down the channels and then bring it back in. And, you know, the perfect goal that Man City often quite used to do, where it was, you know, get to the byline, cut it back, tap in. Um, if you've got got the ability to to see an opportunity to get the ball out your feet quickly and strike it well, one, you're going to catch the defender off guard and two, you might catch the keeper off guard and then that leads to opportunities. So, you know, there's been many a time in the past we, we look at, you know, the likes of the players we've had, Firmino and Mane especially, sometimes would hold on to a ball one, two minutes and try and beat the man one more time or look for the the extra pass and be quite selfish in possession where this lad's just not bothered. He just wants to score. And if that yeah. means, right, the ball drops 30 yards from goal and I'm having a strike, well, 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 fair play to you. If you get it on target, the fans are going to like it because they see the effort. They're, they're going to appreciate the fact that you're having a go um, rather than, you know, maybe check back and, and try and recycle the ball and give the opposition the chance to get back into their sort of defensive setup and then and then all of a sudden, you know, you're banging at brick walls again because how many times have we seen that over recent years where you try and look for that extra ball and all of a sudden what was a, a three-on-three three suddenly becomes a three-on-six and, you know, the opportunity's gone. Yeah, and that's the thing, isn't it, as well? I think um, you might be thinking, oh, you need to pass, whatever, but he, and, he's, and he's having a shot, but if that's what he's doing, if his instinct's telling him that he knows where the goal is, he knows what he can do with his foot and he knows how to get it on, on target, it's not just... You know, th- those chances that come from goalkeepers parrying things, it's the other players who need to be wise to that, is, you know, the possibility of that happening. And the more they play together and the more they see what he does and what he doesn't do, the more they'll expect that. And likewise, the more he'll, you know, just have that quick, quick thought that goes, hang on, maybe it can I pass, can I not? Because he's getting a better idea of who's around him and where they're going to be. And, you know, all of this comes from getting game time and really the way the season's been for him. He's not had anywhere near as much game time as I think he would have had, had had all things been as expected. He would have got far more, would have got more out of him. We'd have seen even more goals and what a player he would have been already, I think. So we've just got to be patient with him. And I think, you know, that that's maybe one of the key words for this season is it's going to need a lot of patience for us this season because we're clearly not where we were last season with everything. It's going to take time. And, you know, may, maybe as fans, we've got to be patient, but there may be some people in the club need a little bit more urgency with things, especially anyone looking for midfielders. But as midfielders go, Harvey Elliott, one thing about his goal the other night, I'm not saying he's like Suarez, but I always remember Suarez would always have a chance, always try and take those really wide-angle shots on and, and would then get them. Shots you never thought he'd have a chance of getting in. And that's what it felt like with Harvey, because I couldn't work out how he got it in, but... You know, it was I, just, I thought at the side then. Yeah, I agree. He looked like he'd missed, and I thought, "Why did you waste it?" Oh no, he hadn't. It was in. It was, um, and I think the commentary team did as well. Maybe um, you know, with all their different angles and actually being at the ground. But yeah, it was a hell of a goal. And as a young player, we're being patient with him. You know, I think most fans are patient with him. They can see what he is. They can see that he's learning with every game. He had that horrible setback with injury, so he's, give, he's given time, given patience, given credit when it's due. And as a result, what we're seeing from him is, is really good and really promising. But the same can't be said in some ways for Curtis Jones. I think he's another player that's had so much potential, 
then starts to struggle with injuries, maybe struggles a bit because of competition for places, comes back into it after such a long time out and he's not hitting the ground running, but you can see there's still a player in there that's still learning his trade, still still improving, but he's getting a hell of a lot of criticism because maybe he's getting the um, scapegoat for Liverpool's general poor play, but I don't think that's fair to you. Um, I think what it is with Curtis is he's when he came through initially, he was far too good for, for his age group on the, the under 21s. Um, I think it was then. And he broke through when he was like 17, 18. You know, the, the goal against Everton in the FA Cup will never be forgotten. Yeah. Um, what, what a night that was. Um, but he, he doesn't, for me, he just doesn't seem to have developed into the player that we probably hope he, and maybe he can, and he will be, um, through one reason or another, whether it be injury, whether it be opportunity. Um, I would like to have seen him maybe get a loan. Like we've seen what, obviously, younger than what Curtis was when he broke through with the likes of Harvey Elias and this season Tyler Morton. I've gone to Blackburn. Got a year of football under the belt. Um, because I think if we're all honest with ourselves, what what is his best position? Um, you know, you could ask 10 people and I don't think you'd get more than you know, 50% saying that's his set position. Like we all know Luis Diaz, wide left forward, that's his position. Yeah. Um, Mo Salah, inside forward from the right or the, or the central striker, but you know, you'd be, you'd be torn between somewhere like that. Um, Harvey Elliott will probably say in his sort of a, a wide right of a four, I think is probably his best. Um, you know, some might say, in, in a phrase, some might say up or on the right, but with Curtis Jones, is he best in a midfield three? Is he best in a midfield two? Is he best up on the left? Is he best as number 10? The fact that we've got so many questions, I think, doesn't aid the lad in sort of the support. Um, and, you know, the, the, the crazy theory that he's only been there because he's he's a local lad. Well, he's clearly got ability, otherwise he wouldn't be at the club. Um, he would have been shifted on. And I know we've had a lot of issues with moving on youngsters who clearly weren't good enough, but this lad has got ability. Um, I do think we missed a trick in trying to maybe get him out there and 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 honing his, his talents um, for the season. And, and maybe the opportunity could come if we had, you know, reinforcements in midfield and we actually were, were struggling to, you know, give Curtis game time when he was fully fit every week. Then you might look at, you know, what Chelsea did with Conor Gallagher, send him to another Premier League club, let him learn his trade and then bring him back and, reintegrate them but as it is our squad fitness wise isn't able to to, to give us that opportunity so it, it's a bit of a cure to take in terms of what he actually is as a player but he, he's got the ability and he's got talent um, and you know he, he's lived a dream that thousands and millions of people would have loved to do like thousands across the city of Liverpool if you grow up in the city whether you're red or blue, you want to represent your club. That's a, that's every kid's dream. Um, and he's done that and you can never take it away from him. He's won trophies, he's scored in a in a derby match. So, you know, things like that cannot be taken away from him. I just, I'm a, I'm a bit of a, a question as to what is his best role. But right now, if he's fit, he's good on the ball, he can play a role and 
the way we are in, in, in midfield, then we need players who can can put the foot on the ball and see a pass and use opportunities to do so last Saturday. Sorry to bring up the Forest game again, but mm. he didn't seem to have anything in front of him to, to play into um, in terms of a runner. So I think you know the, the, what we've seen from Darwin Nunes, we've took, touched on his, his movements in the channels and his willingness to run. Someone like Curtis Jones who would play maybe off um, Darwin Nunes if he's going to play from the left-hand side, for example, but then presents with opportunities to feed the ball. And all of a sudden, you might be looking at, well, this lad can pick a pass and all of a sudden he's creating goals and assists for for players. And, you know, the, the narrative would soon change. But I, I don't know. I'm probably in the, in the camp of, I'm a bit confused as to what he is. Mm. Um, and if, if we got an answer, then, you know, we, we'll see one way or another what, what type of player he is going to be for us. But right now, if he's fit, available, and can and can feature, it's a lot more than you know some of the other players who are currently in our squad. Yeah, I think you're right. There was well, I mean, Liverpool don't know what the shape is this season. We played so many different shapes, and some have worked, some haven't, and a lot of it depends on who the personnel are when we're trying to play those shapes. And sometimes I think you've got to play to your strengths, and rather than playing the ideal shape, it's got to be the ideal shape for the players you've got. And you're right. I mean. Where does he play? I mean, when he when he came in, I th- I'm sure he had a sort of reputation as being more of a forward player than a midfield player, and and that. But I don't know. It's just because um, he was because of the goals he was getting. He, he had a reputation for goal scoring, but it's, it's it's he needs a run. That's what he needs more than anything. And what he also maybe needs is a run when the players around him aren't sort of rookies, if you like, because he is still a rookie in a lot of ways. I know he's been around for a while in the first team, but if you think about the age of him. Um, he is still a rookie, he is still learning his trade and you need people to learn from and the way we've played this season I mean you wouldn't be wanting, you know if it was your kid um, having a football lesson there's a few games this season you wouldn't have wanted to send your kid to go and play with this Liverpool team to learn stuff um, you'd have, that's more like this is what you don't do if you're going to be a player but let's 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 hope that changes um, talking of midfield again Henderson, um, another one who gets so much stick but he even got a bit of stick from people about what he allegedly said in the game against Arsenal a while back. And if you remember the actual incident, Arsenal had just been given the weirdest penalty that I'm yet to hear anyone say was a penalty other than the officials who watched it and let it happen. Um, he was angry, but he was accused of being angry and using words that would, if it, if they were true, would rightly see him in, into some trouble. But yeah, he was kind of guilty before he'd had a chance to even say anything. And once the FA did finally get round to looking into it and getting information and, and making a decision, which, let's face it, rumbled on and on and on for far too long, it turned out, at best, there was a complete misunderstanding from the player he shouted at who thought he'd said something in a language that Henderson's never spoken. Or at least, that's what, what reports are saying. But either way, the FA said, you know, Henderson did nothing wrong. You know, is is it fair that the FA can take this long to come up with these decisions on on something like this? I mean, it's a difficult one. Um, you don't want them to rush decisions, but surely they could have really quickly worked out what had gone on and there was a misunderstanding. It really didn't need to take this long, surely. Maybe they were just waiting for the next Prime Minister to come in before they, <laughs> they made a decision, you know. Um, maybe that's how they operate on a, on a free Prime Minister sort of strike through and then we'll make big decisions. <laughs> but... Um, we had to get that in because this time last week we were currently under a different sort of, you know, decision maker because <laughs> I wouldn't call them 
yeah. or whatever. Yeah, are. we have to say that now, don't we? At the time of recording, uh, Rishi Sunak is the British Prime mm-hmm. Minister, but obviously by the time yeah. we've edited it and put it mm-hmm. out, it could be someone else. Yeah, and we might, we might have another, you know, Chancellor, Home Secretary, Foreign Secretary, whatever. We might just have a completely different story by the time this comes out. But, <laughs> um, yeah, with the Henderson thing, I think, you know, anyone, you know, with, with an ounce of sort of sanity in the, in the body would have thought he is the last person on earth, um, or in, in the Liverpool squad anyway to, to be a racist because that was sort of the, the initial sort of, yeah thing that was put out there because Bobby Firmino pulled a face and Alisson was having words because, you know, lo and behold, they're from the same country that Gabriel's from and they speak the native tongue and, you know, it, it was a mis- misunderstanding in, in, in translation of, of words and, you know, we've all been there. We we as, as a scouts probably hear things that, or we probably say things that other people hear and don't understand what mm. actually we've just said or we'll say things that we 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 say words that are absolutely fine in our native tongue and somebody from a different part of the country could be offended by it or not understand what the word means or not understand the, the saying or the meaning. Um you know, and that that's in English. Um, your, your accent goes broader as well when you're wound up, doesn't it? Henderson yeah. with these Macam accents, I'm sure that's uh So <laughs> it's it, it's easily done. It's easily done, but yeah, I think as you say, he was guilty before proven innocent, and he has, you know, finally be proven innocent. And um, you know, we we can all let the let the story settle down. He's got a new book out. Whether anyone wants to choose to read it, um, you know, you might go into whether into W. H. Smith and ask for it, and it might just be passed to the side and then passed back again uh, before you actually <laughs> do get a grip of it. Um, I don't think you'll be running out of the shop with it because. At the moment, Henderson doesn't seem to do much running. <laughs> He's also, maybe you can point and shout at the cashier to give it to you. Uh, these are all sorts of puns I've picked up over Twitter the last few days. But, <laughs> are there any special uh, efforts on getting like a Henderson and Milner book at the same time, or would you just never get out of the shop if you got them? I don't know. Maybe you have to pay in sort of concrete coins or something like that for that, <laughs> um, or old copper um, if it's if it's James Milner's. Um, but, you know... We've 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 said enough about them, um, but the situation was played out in the media like anything to do with Liverpool is. Um, if it's connected to Liverpool, it makes headlines, it gets clicks, it sells, it sells stories, and it it quite often tends to be the negative things that the press focus on. And we we kind of got to the point now where you know where you laugh it off because it's it's so common, um, regardless of what is put out there. Like we're so used to it, and again, we we bring up like the situation of Forest, who were actually the opponents on the day of Hillsborough, and I know people who went to the city ground, and you know, within a couple of minutes, the the, the chance of starting the vile slayers, the yeah. constant like berating of fans who lost their lives, and nothing is ever done about it, and it, it like. It's happening more and more now, and I think it's got to the point where, you know, other fan bases are seeing it as sort of a game as to like let's get the hills for shouting because it's funny, or you know, it it's cool and like look how much it winds them up, and not on ever happens about it, but something does need to be happening about it because it, we speak about this on a weekly basis now, and you would have thought working class city Nottingham, you know. 
the team who were unfortunately part of the situation that, that happened at, at Hillsborough with the opponents on the day. The, you know, an educated sort of view of their fans would have been, well, actually, we're, we're better than that. Like, we're celebrating, we're back in the Premier League. We don't need to bring that up because it was a really dark occasion. But no, they did. Um, it's not to be unexpected, but, you know, it, 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 it's stupid that we have to keep bringing it up. And it's sad because all we're asking for is one, justice, and two, it to be laid to rest as a situation because. Why? Why does it have to keep happening? There's obviously members of people's families there at games every week, home and away, and they keep having to hear this stuff. And I've seen a few people have said over the last few weeks, like they're going to stop going to games because it's hurting them because yeah. they were there at Hillsborough, and it's getting worse and worse. And no fan, if they've got the ability and the opportunity to go to support their club, should ever feel like they can't go because they're being upset by opposition fans. Yeah, it, I mean people. People genuinely don't realise the impact that it's had. I mean, um, it's people who were there and survived it went through the most traumatic thing that, you know, it's hard to imagine something more traumatic. And, you know, I don't want to sort of darken the mood really by going into the details of that because we've, we've gone into them so many times before. But, um, you know, if you just try and picture yourself in that stadium that day and people around you are dead, you're, you're, uh, and dying and you're, fighting for your life you you know and it happened in 1989 and to this day you can't sleep at night and to this day you also remember not just the ones who died on the day but the ones who who it became too much for the mental illness that people have suffered i know from from you know from working and, and, and speaking to say the hjc and people like that some of some of the horror stories of how people's lives have turned out afterwards and and the the, the trauma that it brings up every time they hear these things um and it's just horrific. And I honestly think, I honestly genuinely think that most of the people who were chanting that stuff are sort of using it as a substitute for some racist chanting or some sexist chanting because they know they can't get away with that now. And it's just something they can do now because, you know, it's just this thing. I like to offend other people. I like to make other people get upset. And it's illegal to do some kind of chanting, some form of, um, of abusing other people in that way. So, what can I do? How can I get round it? And I'm not sure legally how we could change it, but morally, the FA and the Premier League have got a duty to do something about this. Um, and it only happens here. As far as I'm aware, we don't get any of this when we go abroad. Um, maybe except maybe with the Juventus, for example, because of other reasons and stuff around Heisel. But on the whole, we don't, we don't get this. We don't get this sort of abuse. We get, um, we get looked after. We get praise. We get, you know, people putting up banners saying, you know, that justice for the 97 or the 96 as it was. People who, from all, from all those distance away saw what happened and maybe haven't had to listen to the, the Murdoch press giving them a version of it that suited the Tory governments of the time and all the rest of it. The version that's, you know, allowed it to be covered up for so long, the truth. And look at Ajax the other night. I mean, two sets of fans, the Merseyside police who were there said, Great behaviour from both sets of fans. There wasn't any need to keep anyone in afterwards. Both sets of fans were allowed to leave together because everyone was getting on well. That That's what happens in European games. You get to games over here and from the first minute it's just bile and abuse and, and just, just nastiness and, and cowardly as well because I generally don't think any of those people, and I'm not saying you, like, you're talking violence, you're just talking, none of them would sort of walk into a pub 
um, walk into the pub where Gerard was spotted the other week and start coming out with this shit. They wouldn't. They wouldn't dare to do it. But when they're nice and safely um, hiding behind stewards and all the rest of it and their little corner of the ground, they think it's all fair game. It would frighten the life out of them if uh, if they had to face anyone. And, you know, it's it's wrong that we have got to do Why is it us doing it? Why is it us saying it? Why aren't the FA and the Premier League stepping in? The sooner they do, the better. It's... It's, and as you say, it's ruining football for a lot of people. It's ruining it because as we talk so often, it's the distraction from real life. And that's not the kind of distraction you want. It's got to stop. No, no. It, like, there, was a, there was an unsafe situation the other week with a West Ham fan who was um, attacked by several lads. And if anyone knows the Anfield area, it's the petrol station at the cop end. Right. Because there'd been a number of West Ham fans and they'd been saying Hillsborough stuff. Um, one led to believe, and there were several reports from several people saying there was a, a number of them um, around the cop end of the ground. And when it got to the point of, you know, people were actually getting it on camera, these doors are scarpered, and like people saying, well, say it, say what you're saying, say, what, say it again, say it again. And the lad took a beating. Now it went too far. Um, mm. Don't condone some of the actions of, of, of the lads who, who did it. But that's what happens. Like if you are gonna say that sort of stuff, then the consequences will be felt and yeah. there is enough people around that ground who will not stand for what is being said from the opposition stand. You you're okay, as you say, when you're protected in the Anfield Road and by hundreds of stewards and police, but you know, if you've got the idiocy to be saying stuff like that in and around the area of the ground where you can't be protected, then unfortunately there will be somebody who will give you the slap for it. And, you know, I don't know what happened to the to the person who who, who got attacked and, and, you know, hopefully in, in one way they're not too severely injured, but, you know, you're the consequence of your actions. If you're willing to open your mouth and say such bile, then you've got to accept that you will get a dig for it. Yeah, you're asking for it, basically, aren't you? I mean, that, that's, that's the thing. I mean, I know people say you shouldn't say, oh, they were asking for it. That should be no defence. In truth, if you're going to go around saying stuff like that, then what do you genuinely expect is going to happen? That loads of people are going to have a nice conversation with you and, you know, maybe, you know, maybe ask you not to say, that's not, that's not what's going to happen. I think, if you, you as know, you say, if you walk into someone's living room and said, yeah. I mocked their dead parents or their grandparents or something like that, what you'd expect a handshake off you go out the door? Yeah. Absolutely not. You're yeah. going to be slapped all over the place. So, and that, it, and that, it, it, and that's not, real. and that's not from a Liverpool, that's from anyone, anyone, wherever you're from. If someone walked into your house and said that sort of stuff to you, you know, you'd, you'd be looking to hit them. Even if you're not a violent person, you'd be, you'd be having a go. And I think the other stuff that happened with Forest fans happens. We've said it over and over and over again. Happens all the time. The stuff where the sign on chance, for example. So what they're basically saying is that when Liverpool was going through hell in the eighties because of a, the government putting the city into managed decline effectively. People were struggling for work. Um, it's one of the reasons why there's so many scousers around the country because they had to go and look for work somewhere else away from home and got it. But it was hell. People couldn't get jobs. It was, it was horrific. And now fast forward to today with the latest Tory government, as I say, at the, at the time of recording, Rishi Sunak was prime minister, but it could have changed while we were recording. Um, it's more of the same. There's people in poverty. There's people needing food banks. And yet they're still singing sign on. And Nottingham, I think, was something like the eighth poorest city in the country, according to some fairly recent survey that was done. So, you know, sort your own problems out before you start having a go. But the difference is, I think, if you started that shit with, in a pub near Anfield, you'd get the piss taken out of you. You probably wouldn't get a slap for that because 
that as bad as it is, is a different thing altogether to what goes on with Hillsborough. And people need to know that, that that it's a line that you've well and truly crossed when you start doing that. The sooner they learn it, the better. And in my view, if you're a fan of a club and you hear people doing that, you need to call them out. You don't need just to sit there and think, oh, well, I wouldn't do that. Call them out. Get them, get it dealt with internally with yourselves. Cause the best people to deal with it is you and your own club. Um, talking to fans who, um, I don't know what's going to happen, but, Next up, it's Leeds, um, and they've had a reputation down the year of fans who are bad boys, but on the pitch, relegation looming, they've not had a great run at all. Same story almost as last week against Forest, but at least we're not travelling this time, is it? Can we be complacent for this game or what? Um, you'd like to hope not. Um, no, just speaking about like you know poor places in the country, Leeds isn't exactly thriving as a as a city that's doing well. Um, but I'm sure, you know, we'll, we'll play the bingo game if anyone wants to join in at home. <laughs> at what minutes will you hear the sign on shouts? Um, because it'll happen. I think it was 41 seconds or something like that into the forest game that they, that they spotted out. And I think that's the record this season. Um, but Leeds come in a, in a bad room of form. Um, they've got numerous injuries as have we, um, on one hand, it wouldn't be a surprise if we slipped up, um, because we've, we've seen it too many times this season. Um, but on the other hand, you'd like to think, you know, our home form on the whole this season has been pretty solid. Um, I think a couple of drop points to Palace and Brighton in draws. But other than that, um, I think we've won all our home games, um, which has sort of, you know, been a, a bit of a, a positive across what has been up and down sort of season and, we don't know if Thiago's managed to get hold of some decent cotton buds and sort his ears out, um, <laughs> or whether, you know, Ibu Kanate is fit, whether Calvin Ramsey is actually a real person or his name just gets to Peter's on the, on the team sheet and we don't actually see the lad. Um, but, you know, as we record this, it's prior to Klopp's press conference, so we don't know the answers to, to these questions, but I'm sure by the time this is released, those answers will be there for people. Um, I think we've got a couple of options. Yeah, I wouldn't like to see the sort of diamond midfield that we rolled out the other night, but I think we've got, you know, possibilities. And we mentioned, you know, the likes of Casas Jones. Um, Fabio Carvalho could come in. Um, you know, you, you might see the Iron Man of Yorkshire himself, James Milner, might get a rollout for, for this one. Um, he might just come on for 15 minutes and just start smashing Yorkshire <laughs> tea bags around the place. Um, who, who knows, but I, I'd like to think that we've got enough in terms of quality um, to, to get a win. And if, if we're honest with ourselves, you know, we've got three games left in the league before um, the upcoming gap for the World Cup. And then we've got, in, in what I would like to see, a free hit against Napoli and Derby in the, in the League Cup, which, again, is probably a sort of a free hit in terms of how... Up until last season, Klopp has approached the domestic trophies. It will be an opportunity to see some kids. So, you know, it's it's one game a week for, for the nominal starting eleven um, in the next three weekends where you'd like to think we would roll out the best available team to us. And if we do get our better players on the pitch, then, you know, we, we should have more than enough for anybody really to get, to get a victory. Yeah, it's... Um... It's, it's, it is. I mean, this is the thing we've said before. If we turn up to a game thinking, 
we, as we showed, I think Liverpool can win any game when Liverpool plays to the best. I'm not saying they will win any game because, you know, things go wrong in games. Sometimes other teams have great plays, etc., etc. But I think if we have our heads right, we are capable of winning any game. It's when we haven't got our heads right. It's when we go into games and you think we're capable of losing this game. We're, you know, when it feels more that way, kind of flips that, you know, we're very capable of losing that game. And this is what, We'll be looking at, you know, dreading this weekend. But as you say, home form um, has been tremendous. I think, what's the Van Dyke start? He's not lost a game. Has he ever lost a game at Anfield? They keep, nope. they keep using it, like commentators trying to use it because they're hoping they can invoke commentators' curse on him. But I'm pretty sure he's not lost a game at Anfield, has he? No, even when he was at Southampton because he scored when he beat us. <laughs> um, so when he's played at Anfield, I'm assuming it's in the league because I can't remember back. But I'm sure we've probably lost in the Champions League. I think it's he's never lost a Premier League game at Anfield, so it rolls across like several games. Um, but it's also a weird Saturday night kickoff. Oh um, yeah, under the lights, you know, that time of year and it's dark. It can well, currently it's quite warm, but there could be a little bit of a nip in the air. Um, you know, Leeds will bring a boisterous fan base, and maybe that'll you know sort of. Ignite a little bit of, you know, one of them sorts of European atmospheres um, at Anfield. Um, because, you know, I think we were saying last week, there's not really been an occasion um, where we've got up for, for an old uh, European night game so far since the yeah, COVID season. But the Man City game at the time of when we played, it did sort of go dark, the lights come on, and yeah. it, it does sort of ignite something. And, yeah, we'll see where we go, and of course, like we we probably can't go without touching the fact that Jürgen will be on the touchline, um, thirty grand out of pocket, but mm. he'll be there. Yeah, and that thirty grand probably, if you um, if you can be bothered, you probably look at the decision that was made. That will relate to how much his salary is. So, if you were right, really clever, you could probably work out what his salary is based on the amount of fine he's got, because he tends to fine players and managers on, you know. A week's wages or whatever, yeah, so many days' wages, whatever. So you'd be, you know, that'd be your penalty. So, um, might give us a clue what he's paid, but in my view, if he, if he, if he does what he did the last few years with this team, then he can't be paid enough. You know, you can't, you can't buy what he's done the last few years and we just need to see us getting back into that. Um, Saturday night kickoff, of course, late night, but everyone gets an extra hour in bed, supposedly, if you, if you sort of think it that way, because the clocks are changing. Halloween follows and then Napoli. Um, it's it's not it's it's been a strange week since we last since we last spoke. It's been a strange week, ups and downs again. Um, hopefully more ups this time. I think we should beat Leeds, and if we have to play, play young players, you know, and, and fringe players, we should still beat Leeds. We should still have it in us to do it. It's just about having the right attitude. If we show any of the attitude that we did against Forest, we've not got a chance against anyone. Napoli, um, who knows? Could it be four 0 Don't know. You know, it's one of them weird times of year, isn't it? Yeah. Mischief night on Sunday, Halloween oh, on Monday, yeah. surprise, surprise on Tuesday. You see, we'll see what we come with. Um, but maybe explain what Mizzy night is as well. But not everyone has that, do they? Oh, yeah, like that. That's it. It's something that I think maybe it, it happens across the country, but it not probably to the extent that it's in Liverpool. <laughs> um, mischief night is the night before Halloween and. Um, for those who don't know, it's called Mizzy Night in Liverpool. And when I was growing up, it consisted of like, you know, getting hold of some eggs. And, you know, if there was someone in your street who would 
if you were playing football, would like not give you your football back, or if the ball went over their fence into their garden, <laughs> they they keep hold of it. Well, they were targeted with eggs, um, you know, and you know if you if you could be bothered, maybe you could get someone's car and get some flower eggs and flower the car. So when they woke up the next morning, it'd be a horrible mess on the windscreen. Um, you know, the simple things of doing knock and run. So obviously it's self-explanatory when you, you knock on someone's door and you run these days, I think ring doorbells have probably put an end to that. Um, you know, it, it can get a bit out of hand and, you know, let's not kid ourselves here that it's idiots who take it far, far too serious. And, you know, you know, situations where like buses get targeted with with objects that can damage windows and you know cause serious harm. Um, obviously, it's the time of year when bonfire nights around the corner and fireworks get into the wrong people's hands. But on the whole, um, you know, where, where I live, you, you do sort of see kids on mischief nights, and the fact that I've got a big uh, dog that looks a bit like a wolf, they they, they kind of leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, you do see them and you do sort of have a chuckle if they are sort of like, you know, eggs still existed. You, you throw eggs at people's windows. Like, it's it's not the, the nicest thing to wake up to in the morning, but it's all a bit of like childish fun. Um, I don't know if Mischief Night exists anywhere else and what extent they, they go to, but it is one of the things that some people live in fear. And if you are a child, it's, it's one of them like, can we do something then and get away with it sort of thing? But. Yeah, if no one knows what it is, then that's roughly a nice way of describing it. Yeah, yeah, and it is when it's when it's done in the right way. It's actually it is a good laugh, isn't it? I mean, you see the funny side in the end if you've had to get up in the morning and clean the crap off your car or whatever. But you know, hopefully, no damage done. But mischief. Let's um, that's what we want. That's what we want from Liverpool next two games. Some mischief. Let's show Leeds how good we can be. Let's show Napoli that. You know, they may have been doing well okay so far in the competition. Fletch goes on about them being unable to stop scoring in the competition without thinking for a minute how many Liverpool had scored in the previous game against the team Napoli were playing that night. But, you know, mischief, two games to come, and then we'll be back soon. Also, um, Tony Evans is going to be doing a podcast. I'm hopefully going to do one with him next week early on, just the first one, and then hopefully get him involved with us on a regular basis as well, because that's another insight into what it's like here. And um, maybe when I speak to Tony, he'll have some more stuff about mischief night. Maybe, maybe he's um, doing his own version of Mizzy Night down in down in the smoke. <laughs> I'm sure his Twitter is enough mischief alone <laughs> that he doesn't need to go and get up a pack of the bags and go round the uh, the dark streets of London doing whatever he wants to do with them. Yes, yes, yes. Oh well, we'll we'll speak to him soon. But anyway, I think for now. Um, we've gone on long enough. You know, sometimes there's nothing to talk about, but Liverpool, there's never nothing to talk about. There's always something. Um, so thanks for listening. Um, have a listen out for all the other shows on Anfield Index. I think I'm doing the next couple of Raws, maybe as well. Definitely doing the next one, the Leeds one. So have a listen to that if you can. Um, I always enjoy doing those straight after the match and hopefully it's a good one. My, hopefully my winning record on Raw continues, but if not, don't blame me. It'll be someone else's fault for now though. Thanks for listening and we will see you soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, 
where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.